between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Falling over in front of you to answer your call within, longing out, reaching out to your hand that you will satisfy the, the thirst of our soul, that you will cause our hunger. to receive provision for feeding. Father, that our debt would move into your debt. Father, even the deep inside of us that we have not found, Father, you, you help us to reach deeper within, to reach out to you, that you might be established deep within our soul, rooted within our heart, that we may build up a holy tabernacle, a holy temple for you. Lord, we thank you for the mercy of your spirit which you give to us, even to smell you and to desire you much more than we have ever desired. Father, thank you for your spirit. You don't just give us your spirit that we might feel good. But you give your spirit that we might really truly know you. And the depth of your knowledge. The depth of your person. The depth of your being. Father, help us to, to respond to your calling calling on to our deep give grace for our soul to reach out to yield and to give ourselves holy peacefully to carry all of your essence all of your presence all of your being Father that we may carry you as you intended us to. Thank you for your spirit. Father, even as we go into the word this morning, we pray that you would help our hearts to yield. Father, give us the right posture, the right meekness to be able to receive from you, to be able to partake of you, Father, we are, we are still babies. We ask, Father, that you would have mercy on us. Help us to grow in you. Father, help our infirmities, our weaknesses. 
Help us, Father. We are not sufficient of ourselves, but we know that our sufficiency is of you. For aware that you will be sufficient for us today. Help us, Father. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. Give you all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we have worshipped and prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Welcome you all this morning. And uh, welcome to another day in this present. How many of us are happy to be here this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, We thank God. I mean, when I say we are babies, and I'm I'm just looking at myself, I feel I feel like a like a baby. Amen. And I feel I'm still I'm still just trying to go. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm just seeing all my all my shortcomings and all my inadequate. What I'm saying, see, inadequacy. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But uh, God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a privilege to be in the presence of God. Amen. It's a privilege to partake of His Spirit. No, just is is a realization. You know, sometimes when we come under the anointing of the Spirit. Just we think, ah, yes, this is it also. But really, it's not for to feel good, man. It's, 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 it's an operation within of God trying to reach us concerning things. That's why we ought, we ought to be very meek when it comes to the way we deal with God. Man, any, any little... I mean, something that doesn't even seem... That doesn't seem... Like an, like any problem or any issue, sometimes maybe just act posture disposition may actually be a, a serious thing for God. Even though God is you know, still relating with us, and God is still patient, just waiting for us to get it. And it's you know it's over time, little by little, a little here, a little there, right? That God will begin to shift our heart. I guess the most important thing is that our heart is continuously and consistently yielding to the Spirit. And yielding to the leading of the Spirit of God. As long as we are sincere in our heart, it is sure that we'll get to the end of our journey. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm happy to see every of our faces this morning. Amen. Amen. And I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm full of joy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see you all. Amen. Amen. So Let's go to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter four. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So 
Naushima Kara Zofima Mtani Mata Mika Tata Mika Yuna Mshita Mika Mkata Fina Mshita Fina Preciso Vena Haya Mshita Dewa Mata Fina Thank you Spirit of the Lord Ima Tozeta Ya Priya Sizefeni Mishima Mpriya Sota Mpriya Sota Nema Sita Vena Mahata Mprosita Vehita Nama Sita Vena Mtasi Ima Imatovini mehenta to make it to make you enter, enter to 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 make you enter. Imasi to make you enter. You want to cause you to enter, to cause you to enter. I'm 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 here to make you enter. Even even enter, enter, enter. For you must enter. For you must all enter. You must all enter. Even into my things, you must all enter. Even into the provision of my life, you must enter. You must enter. You must enter. Oh, ready? Get ready to enter. Prepare your heart even to enter. 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 Oh, come in. Come in. Oh, my heart of Venemushita. For in my life is rest. In my life is rest. Come in into my rest. Come in into my life. Come in. For you must enter. Oh, grace for you to enter. Grace for you to enter, I bring. Oh, much more grace. Even to enter. Even to enter. Even to enter into the kingdom. Into life. Into life. Into life. Into life. Oh, you must enter. I am here that you might enter. That you might enter. See the spirit. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Give you all the praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, okay, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I'll read from verse... Um, Verse 3. Praise the Lord. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, I know that uh, for the I guess since we uh, we started meeting, we've been on a journey, really. And we can just summarize. How do I put it? We can summarize. I mean, for all the meetings in January till now, if if I if I summarize it, I don't think it's that big, but it's big, in the sense that what God really is showing us is pretty simple. But I guess the way heaven has to paint pictures to make things clear. I guess the reason the reason for much speaking is actually for clarity. Mm, yes, sir. Yes, 
Because yes, if you look at it, it's pretty straightforward. Mm. But it, it might be straightforward, but not clear. Right? But the way, the re- I guess the reason why God, I mean, in God's sight, God would have said, you, take this, take this, take that, finish. So mm. But imagine, God has been speaking. The time passed, and it didn't stop. After, you know, he kept speaking and speaking, and then he changed the order of speaking. But he's, he's, he's still speaking. He just gave, oh yeah, Jesus, I continue speaking. Right? And Jesus is speaking, and, and Jesus will continue speaking until every heart, amen, has come into the inheritance that heaven desires. Amen. So, and you notice that the reason for speaking is to paint and make pictures clear. To make it as clear as possible. And once there's clarity, it is easy for your heart to commit. Amen. And once there's the moment we have clarity, it is easy for your heart to commit. Even if it is difficult, it be, the, the burden becomes a lot lighter. Amen. Amen. Be- because one of the major stumbling blocks to growth really is on that, is knowing, is having clarity. Amen. And you notice if you want to make a decision, part of making a decision is having clarity. Amen. When there is when, when we're about to make a decision, things are not clear. It is difficult to make a decision. And now notice that for you also to make a decision, then we, we keep looking for clarity. Yes, okay, should I do this? Okay, yeah. let me check. Let me check this. Okay, let me wait on. Ah, okay, let things be clear. Once things form, images form, things are clear. Ah, okay, this is the next step. Amen. So most of our hindrance is actually really clarity when it comes to making decisions. And the same way, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, it is difficult for us to cut covenant with God because things are not clear. Amen. Even though things ought to be by faith. Right? Even clarity comes by faith. Because the way the way we deal with God and the way we interact with God, God brings things from time to time, then He makes things clear over time. Amen. So, uh, I'm pretty sure we're not bored... I'm not, I'm just, I'm not just, we're not bored of, of much speaking. Amen. It is for our good. Amen. It is for our good and it is for, 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 for helping the spirit. Man, and in the midst of, no, the way, not things, even though there may be similarities both in the natural and in the spirit, but the way things work in the spirit is much more um, sophisticated. I, I mean, in the process of clarity, right, in the spirit, is actually the transfer of, I mean, what I'm trying to explain is more that when it comes to clarity, having clarity, it's actually a journey, right, things become clearer and clearer and clearer as we begin to journey in God, and all these steps and all these journeys in the spirit actually gives a deposit of life in the soul, amen, no, the way God gives life is not the way we think God gives life. I mean, well, what I'm trying to say is the sense that for us, we, we think we have received that when we are able to really, really live it. Right? Wow. Then I have received life. But really, in God, when God gives life, it has been right from the inception of, of things. God will give it. But it, the, the, only, the only gap there is that it takes time for that thing to become a reality in the soul. For that thing to move in. And sometimes that's the reason for you know, just having clarity, but God has given. And then, because of the limitation of our mind, we kind of just, we don't know that what we have received is life. Or the way it sits 
in our soul. I don't know if I'm if it's clear, yeah. but the way the way it sits in our in our heart, spirit, soul, and body is different, right? And to God, when God is giving things, God is looking at okay, long term. How are we going to achieve this? Okay, the result is that life must be inside this soul. So what are we going to do? So while God is arranging for the life to come and sit down, we don't think we have received it, right? But to God, He has already given it. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, so all that he's doing pretty much is just preparing, making sure that the thing yeah. enters where it should in the soul. So God would give the spirit, right? Even though the spirit itself, right, is not, is the spirit, the receiving of the Holy Ghost, right? That's what I'm talking about. The receiving of the Holy Ghost itself does not really put life inside the soul. But it's part of God making sure that life eventually is within the soul. Amen. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life still. Right? So, it can sit in the soul, but what is inside him doesn't mean that it is inside that soul. Amen. So, God, God gives things. He prepares things. And every single thing God is doing, even by speaking, ordinarily just talking, just thing. If God decided to come and teach you about Tabernacle today, you'd be wondering, how does that? And me, I'm mean, so I'm thinking about how does learning Tabernacle Put life inside me, mm-hmm. but it will. Mm-hmm. To God, it is that that knowledge alone can eventually put life inside the soul. Why? Because maybe over time the soul can begin to relate. Ah, that tabernacle thing. Oh, okay. So there's ah. So God was using that to explain. Oh, and then now see that things begin to fall into places within the soul. Amen. Mm-hmm. So we should. I guess what I'm trying to say is that much speaking is awesome and it is part of the way God gives gives life within the soul amen mm-hmm. and God will explain and explain and explain until it is clear it is us that gets tired and weary of explaining I mean I can get tired of explaining but God doesn't I mean God doesn't God can explain one thing one billion times and it will not vex mm-hmm. but even not me I go vex mm-hmm. <laughs> you got what I'm saying Ah, wait, we explained this thing for the past one billion. Like, this is the one billionth time. Mm. Uh-uh. What is it? I don't get it. Mm. Right? But God will not get angry. Mm-hmm. It is us that gets angry. And, you know, mm. and that's, that's also part of the nature that God is working. Mm. And that nature is actually how to be merciful. Yes, sir. So when they say God is a merciful and a faithful high priest, it talks about a nature. Imagine, imagine a person that can sit with one soul and be teaching the same soul, one, the same thing. One billion time. Wow. He's really merciful and faithful. Because wow. Wow. Yes, wow. if not me, <laughs> not me, 1,000th time, I've already, I've already been doing it. What's going on? Come, come, come. Let's figure out what's the issue. What's the issue? Why, what are you not understanding? <laughs> Amen. But I'm vexed. Ah, what is this now? I've been saying the same thing for the past 10,000 times. What is going on? <laughs> I mean, God is God knows so. God knows what it is. God knows the the intric- the, the the workings of things. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so let me move back to what I'm saying. No, we've been talking about this aspect of um, you know, light, and like I said, there's what God is doing is like pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward, but maybe not be not be straightforward like that, but. The summary really is God has been showing us just mm. the journey of a believer. 
for me, where we are at in this whole explanation that God is explaining, because God is explaining, you know, we started from, we are at the point where God is beginning to talk about entrance into the kingdom. Right? And the landmark that God has been giving us is pretty simple and, and quick, straightforward. And it is that when we get born again, there's still a lot more work to do. Right? But when we get born again, there's a lot that we need to give ourselves to, to prepare ourselves for the journey. Right? Because it's more like a preparatory space when we are desiring the sincere milk of the word. And God called that stage the milk stage in the scripture, right? And then and he is encouraging us to desire the sincere milk of the world, of the word. Amen. And funny enough is that this area is so vast that you can't, you can't, you can't just, it's not something you can, it can literally take a lifetime to even go and, and even understand that aspect. And the reason is because, just imagine when God has been teaching milk and he's still teaching it, right? Even though he's talking about things everlasting eternal, but he's still teaching milk, right? So for me, it looks like it takes, it, it, can, it can take that long for you to fully, fully embrace those things. But I'm not saying it to discourage us, but to encourage us. I mean, because the way we think naturally is that, oh my God, if it's a lifetime, where will I? Yes, you will. You will grow. You will grow. <laughs> so it's not, not something to worry us, ourselves about. Amen. And it is God's wisdom on how he builds a soul. And he knows when, how, to put this together to make sure that the journey, event, the, the soul eventually land where it should. So let's not worry about ourselves. About, oh, lifetime. Oh my God. Will I ever? Yes. Yes, amen. it is possible. Amen. So let's not be discouraged, amen. And then from milk, there's now uh, the next phase of growth, right? So the milk is to prepare us for the next phase, which is to begin to move into the kingdom. Right? Because when we get born again, we don't, we are not yet in the kingdom. We are just getting to even know the promise about the kingdom, right? We are just getting to know what it means to be a people of God or a people of inheritance. Amen. Um, okay, so because of, okay, because of time, uh, I'm trying to speed up, but I'm also trying to give reference to scriptures. So, I mean, it's pretty much easy, right, to explain. Um, if you go to First Peter, uh, I think this is, this, is, this is more like recap. First Peter chapter two, uh, verse one. It says that wherefore laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking, says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that she may grow thereby. So you see that here, God is concerned about growth. And God talk, God sincerely cares about what we desire, right? Mm-hmm. So He said, "Desire the sincerity because that is what is essential for growth, right?" Mm-hmm. So when we grow, then God began to talk to us about what this this area of me would produce, which is a man of faith. So when you look at, I want to say a man of faith, it's not just talking about a man that uses faith, right? A man of faith means that when you see that man, is make his faith. When you see him inside of him, his stature, the way he thinks, the way he breathes, is, is the way he processes things is by faith. He is 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 a faith leader, 
is full of faith. Inside him is just faith there. And when you say it's full of faith, it's talking about what is contained inside his soul. It means that inside of his soul, part of it is already full of faith. Amen. So, and what the result of that is you begin to see certain attributes inside that kind of a soul. Right? That kind of a soul is a soul that sincerely loves God, just desires God, loves God. I mean, and this one I'm talking about is in the book of Acts, chapter 6. Right? Acts chapter 6. And it says in verse uh, 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procrus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they said before the apostles when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. Right, so Stephen, who is full of faith, so that is, that is just showing the kind of person that Stephen is, is a man full of faith, right? That talks about certain attributes in his person, in his nature, right? And if you x-ray that, you begin to see things like, you know, men who have of honest report, right? Uh, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, right? So these are, these are things that will be in such souls, right? Um, it means that God has been able to work upon them enough to raise them to a point where they are full of faith. Amen. And then we move from here, and then begin to talk about the, the, intric- the, the, the definition of faith, really. Talking about the, the different faith attributes, for example, also defining faith itself. But say a man full of faith, then we started talking about the faith towards God, then talked about uh, faith itself, what it means, right? And I started talking about faith of the Son. And the faith of the Son is the one that begins to talk to a believer concerning the kingdom, or that begins to pull a believer into the kingdom. Right? Because the purpose of the faith of the Son is to begin to move a man that has already been full of faith, to begin to pull that soul into another life of faith. Amen. Which the faith, which he learned before that is full of, was to prepare him for. So we can see it as a man that are coming to an attribute, right? That have built, that have developed attribute, skills of the spirit to respond to God in a way. Amen. And the way he responds to God is by faith. And when that soul has been built in such a way, then that soul can journey further in faith. Amen. So we've seen that they, not, they, they have moved us, you know, from, okay, that is a something. They move into the faith of the soul. And then, Concerning the faith of the son, which is pulling the soul, right, into the kingdom, then there are things that surround that area. Like the process in which God begins to pull a soul into the kingdom, right? And then we see that part of that is the Lord beginning to deal with the eyesight of the soul. Amen. So when God, uh, and we see God defining what it is, it is to have a sight, what it means, what darkness is. So God was separating different 
things concerning light to us, right? Say, okay, this is dark. Defining what darkness is, defining the light is, right? Now we understand what darkness is, we understand what light is. The moving from darkness to light is also a process in the spirit, right? Which is, which talks about a soul that is getting ready to move into the kingdom. Amen. Because while we are not in the kingdom, even though we are children of God, and we are not in the kingdom yet, what really what the, 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 this, what that means to a soul, right? It means because anybody that is in the kingdom, there's a kind of light that they begin to use. Amen. But a soul that is not yet in the kingdom is under a light, whether they like it or not. And that light is darkness. Right? That light is the light that has been training men since ages. Is it that, and that light, what, the light that they call darkness, is a life. Right? So, the, the, way, the, way, the, way, the way life comes upon a soul right, is by the receiving of light. Because the light of the life needs to come upon the soul for the soul to live the life. Because what the light tells or teaches the soul is a life. So, a soul will come upon light that is shining. So, imagine the life that we're living when we're under darkness. Right? We're under darkness. Then God had to shift us from darkness to light. So, therefore, that there's an area of darkness where we have to move from darkness, which is the using of a light. Right? To another light. Because anybody that will journey into the kingdom must begin to see by a different light that they are used to. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so now makes sense for. Well, I can use the word. I guess I can use the word sense. You know, I mean, I'm trying. I guess I'm appealing towards logically. It now makes sense for God to begin to deal with the aspect of the eyes. When the eyes see, when the sight see, meaning that the sight has to, and, or let me say, God began to explain to us what it means for for your eyes to see, right? Because to see, seeing, deal up happens to to interact with light. Amen. So seeing has to do with the interaction with light, and I mean the way the natural eyesight sees, right, is also by light. The eyes in itself cannot create an image clearly without light. Mm. Yeah. 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 It can't. So which means that light, in short, everything you see is light. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Everything you see is light. This chair is a light. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is that it's not literally a light. It's not literally a light, <clears throat> but it's a light. Because if the light of this thing doesn't eat my eye, the shape and image of this chair can see it. That makes sense. So there has to be light that is coming into my into my eyes to let me actually see things that is around me. So the moment that that is not there, right? You know, notice that you don't see clearly. Then you can see darkly. Now, seeing dark doesn't mean you're not seeing at all. You are seeing just that you're not seeing images. Because what creates images for you is the light that you are, that is shining. Amen. 
and then you can see, I guess, I didn't mention this before, but I guess an example of that is, you know, imagine you are in a dark, in a dark room, there's no light. You will notice that after you are in that darkness for a while, you begin to see. Right? Because the eyes adjust to the level of light in the room. Even though it is darkness. But you can still see shapes. And especially if you have been in that place before, you have a, you have a, you have a mental memory of the layout. Right? So even without, even without seeing, you already have the image in your sight. And you can use that sense to walk around, even though you're not seeing. But then with the help of... And you know what actually allows us to see a little bit in that darkness, that you see shapes, is because there's actually a little amount of light that you don't know that is shining. Right? You may not see the light of the sun in the sky, but there's some form of light. Right? There's some form of light that is available to form those images that is not even that clear, right? There's a, a measure of light that is shining that allows that to be in place. What am I saying is, I'm trying to, to relate this to the way we see, even when we are not seeing with the light of God. The light we are using is darkness. That's what I'm trying to explain. Because it is dark, you can see we are seeing things, but the things we see is not clear. And that's how Satan has been leading men. Because he gives men false images. False understanding. False light. They don't see clearly. They, see, they are seeing darkly. Amen. And then, you know, begins, you know the way you see things and then it stores memory? The Satan will not begin to install wrong memories. He will tell you that. See what's there? It's a table. But what's there may not be a table. So you will walk with the understanding that inside that area, there's a table there. And what there may just be a trap. You know the, you know the trap that is set in the, in the bush to catch big, big animals. It could be there. And then you think, oh, Ah, inside that place is a table. Inside there is the TV. The way they, okay, so on the wall there is a picture, and the image there is totally. Every, you know, Satan is a twister. He twists things. That's what he does. So the light that he gave unto men is a twisted light, which would not allow a soul to be able to move into the knowledge of God. Does that make sense? Amen. So God has really, really helped us and he has explained that area of darkness for us and then showing us light. And then the, the thing that heaven is beginning to talk to us, right, I believe, is now concerning the entrance into the kingdom. Amen. And when it comes to entrance into the kingdom, um, there, is, there is also a response that we should have concerning moving into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Now, for a soul to move into the kingdom, the light of God from inside the kingdom must begin to shine upon the soul. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I'm just going to press record. Amen. I hope we're not tired. Amen. So I'm going to read this uh, Second Corinthians chapter four again. I'm just going to read verse six. Say for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he said, God commanded light to shine out of darkness. Amen. And I think on Saturday I began to, to talk about this aspect of the darkness that light is shining out of. Amen. Now this darkness here it's not, talk, it's not necessarily talking about um, darkness as in the life of Satan. It's talking about a light that is shining out of a place. Now, this dark area, this darkness, is really the temple of God. Amen. Now, it's called the holy place, the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary is where light shine but the light that is shining out of there is the light that calls a believer from outside the camp not even kingdom self that begins to call a believer from outside the camp to ensure that that light that so gets into the kingdom amen now is this the way I see it is that it's the same light that officiates a believer getting born again. That officiates a believer coming into the allocation of the spirit. That, 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 that also officiates a believer coming into provision necessary to begin to move into faith. The faith of the son. The entrance into the kingdom. Even after entering the kingdom, a believer still doesn't see this light. Well, this light is communicating with a believer. Amen. Amen. Because where this light is shining from is much more in the kingdom. For that, it's not, it's not a light at the beginning of the kingdom. It's a light that's actually significantly distant, but close enough to the throne of God. Amen. So, uh, if we want to use the, God's image to explain it, right? God Himself, see, the, the light is around God, but how do I put it? The same light, because I'm, I'm, I'm using the, the light just looking at God Himself and the way He is, His person, right? It's full of, it's everywhere, it's light, it's full of light, it's just light. Amen. Amen. Now, the light in the holy place is actually God's provision to man. Almost like God cut out light out of him and then give a kind of light for men to see. Amen. Now, why am I saying this? This light is the light of Christ. This is the light that Christ shines. 
Amen. Amen. So this light that is shining out of darkness is the light Christ gives. And we know that Christ is a provision for man. Does that make sense? Christ is a provision for man to make sure that man returns back to God. So that light is of God, but it's not the eventual light. It's not the light that God himself is. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm looking for a way to explain it. Because I don't want us to be confused with the fact that are you saying the light of Christ is not God? It is light of God. It is because God, it, it came out of God. The same way, look at it this way. So this ah okay I can't I can't say look at it this way without explaining what I'm about to say in the sense that see this area the best way really to understand it is to use the light and the to use the way God separate light and sep- and build the tabernacle for Israel. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this light, God is using it to separate the way. God is separating the light that is over man. Right? Because God can't just yank it off from man. Especially any light that is inside the soul. You can't just yank it off and take it away like that. Because it is already part of the fabric of the soul. If you yank it away, you are pretty much yanking away the soul itself. So it's part, it's already part and parcel of the fabric of the soul, the way the soul is. So you can't just take it away. Then you need you need a, a spiritual skill. A, a skill of the spirit to know how to unwind the fabric of the soul and remake it. Which God is skillful in doing. Men don't know how to do that. Amen. Now, God created the soul. Of course, he will know. I mean, can you create something you don't know how to undo or do? And if you create, if you create, if you sew a clothes today as a tailor, you know how you cut it. You know how you sewed it. If you want to make alterations, you know how to alter the clothes. You already have the design in your person. Even if you were sleeping and the Please wake up, wake up. Yes, yes, what is it? Um, the clothes you saw for me, uh, there's a, oh, yeah, okay, which clothes? Okay, that, okay, that one, okay, no problem. Okay, I'm just looking, give me 10 hours. Because as I tell you, you already know what to do. You created the thing, you have, so you can tell, okay, to take me this amount of time, give me some time, uh, uh, you know. You can tell that because you are well aware of what you created. And everything you create doesn't just disappear. I mean, if, if you create something and you, but I don't know what to call that kind of a soul. That you will create something and then you have no clue. I mean, I mean, I will really seriously. That I mean, I've not seen. I've not. I've, I've, has anybody seen such a soul? 
I mean, because I mean, I, I might have not met one. Maybe there, there's one. Because I'm, I'm trying to figure out like it's not like I can, you cannot create something, and you have no clue how it's created. If that's the case, that you didn't create something. I mean, when you say create, to create, talks about you knowing what the, the design, you are knowing the, the arrangement, the put together, right? The steps. If all, all of that is not a knowledge in the show that is creating something, that person is not a, is not a creator. That person is more of a, it can be a copycat, right? It can be a, you know, there's a way you, you can, Redo what something else we can redo something somebody created, right? <laughs> Amen. You know, that's the way you can redo it. I mean, for example, sometimes not the way you go through YouTube channels, and then the person you, know, you learned how to cook a goosey, for example, me. Now, the person that thought because when I first cooked it, I had to look it up on, on YouTube. I mean, I was. Alone in my room, nobody to cook a goosey for me. So I had to, I had to, I had to go to YouTube. They start learning how to cook. A, when my mother was cooking it, I did not learn it. I did not look at it. I had no clue what it was like. So I had to follow the process and steps to to cook that goosey soup. And after I created it, I was like, awesome! I made a goosey. Did I make a goosey? Yes. Do you have the knowledge to make the goosey? No. But I was able to reproduce the step. Mm. The next time I wanted to cook it, I had to go back to that video. Because mm. <laughs> I did create how mm. to cook it. Mm. Now, I'm not saying the person that showed me also created it, but I mean, they've already come into a, a stage of a creator. Yeah. For them to be able to teach it and outline it on mm. YouTube. Mm. You know a teacher of things? Well, a sign that you know something that you can teach it. Yeah. Yeah. A teacher pretty much is a creator. Mm. Mm. I mean, when I say creator, I'm not I, the, yeah. the, the, mm. <laughs> so I, I, I get what I understand. Okay, mm. so that <laughs> so that you don't don't do misquote uh, what I'm saying, right? A teacher, right, that is teaching something. When you look inside of that teacher, that teacher is is that embodies what they teach if they, if they don't embody and they come to me you know how curious students are yeah. just imagine a teacher that does not know what they are teaching came to class taught carry textbook and just teach and then go the students will know that this is a teacher <laughs> they will know why because they ask one question second question and there's a way you know that if someone is not a teacher but don't you ask this are you sure? <laughs> You're like something's not adding up here. Something's wrong. Amen. Amen. And the teacher and the teacher knows. Right? I just okay, okay. But you can I mean I I, I don't know, but I know there was a time we, we we have a teacher in our school that used to just come and just write things on the board and just go. <laughs> We we know that we know that this teacher there's there's something off with this teacher. <laughs> this just playing us while you, amen. So the the actual essence or the when you say somebody is it, you know a teacher is a statue. 
for somebody to become a teacher, there are things that must be inside of that soul. So which means there must, there must be well-understood information of what they are teaching. You know what I mean? Now, I'm using it just to explain how a creator works, right? So when somebody, when a teacher is, pretty much what a teacher is trying to do is to create something in those kids that he's teaching. Does that make sense? So when a teacher is teaching, the purpose of teaching is to make sure that what he has, he wants to reproduce it in those kids. That's why he wants to impart knowledge. So that impartation of knowledge is to make sure that the kids don't just know it. They have the spirit of the knowledge. Does that make sense? And, and, and you see a teacher very excited and happy about a particular student. Now, what the reason why they are happy about that student is that they can see the spirit of what they are teaching in the student. So, so, and you can see that this student is not just... Because a teacher knows, when they are teaching, they know the ones that are reading to pass. They know the ones that are not even reading, but you know, they, know, they know how to separate students. But the ones that, it's not so they don't care about everybody, but they are always excited about specific kids, some people. Some people. The reason why they are excited about that is that they are saying, oh, well, I want to teach somebody's getting it. That's really what excites them. It's not as if they intended to be partial. But they are, what they are saying is that their knowledge is being impacted upon the soul. And they are saying the way the, 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 the child or the kid is making use of the knowledge. And then carrying the spirit of it. When you have discussion with them, see this. Oh yes. Oh no. This yes. Uh, yeah, teacher. Oh the no. Oh yes. I even tried. You know, there's a way they notice that. You see, that chemical reaction you taught us. You add this to that. Oh, I, what I saw it was awesome. You know what? I even tried something. I added this to see what will happen. Now they are beginning to see. They are, they are seeing what they want to see. Because they don't just want a child to just know a plus a. Because A squared. They want to know how you can how, how A plus A is A squared. What what is why why must it be A squared? Why is it that it is not A B? Okay, what if you put A B, what will happen? Right? All those questions, those are the things they want to know to know that, that student has carried the knowledge of it. Amen. Now so what they are really trying to give to that student is the ability to recreate. Does that make sense? Yes, so, to give the ability to recreate. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm talking about the teacher. Now, let me go mm-hmm. So, the reason why I'm giving that example of a teacher really is that a teacher carries knowledge, right? Knowledge of what they want to create. The things they are created, they have the understanding of how it works. So, a student that is learning it too, right, must get to a point. What they want to see that student is to get to a point where that student can also recreate. Does that make sense? So that the student is not just, oh, A plus A. A plus A is A square. Why? Our teacher told us so. <laughs> you get what I mean? They don't want to see that. They, you don't notice the job like, okay. So why, why, why did I tell you this? A square. Is it frustration? Now, the way I'm thinking about this, this is because me, I can relate. When I was in school, I saw, I, I did thesis, and I saw the same nature in my thesis, uh, um, 
is, I forgot what they call those professors, supervisors, right? So I noticed, to me, I'm a student. All I wanted to do is do thesis, pass, and get out of school. You know what I mean? But the teacher was much more concerned about the knowledge that I get from the thesis, more than doing the thesis. So when I, there are different certain times we go for review, Maybe because I know because they have an outline for thesis, so there's a time you go and then we you know set up appointment. I'll go and talk with him, yeah. or maybe when I'm oh yeah, yeah, there are times you have to submit report. So when I'm submitting the report, you go through it, then you call me, okay, we'll discuss. So when he's and I said, as we are discussing, we're telling me okay, so this thing and this thing, okay, why is it like this? Mm. Okay, look at the curve. What does that curve tell you? Well, I'm saying um, this is okay. Well, the curve says this, this, and that. Okay, do you know why? I said this, 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 because I'm trying to repeat what I know that, because maybe from discussion, you will mention something, and I quickly cram it. So I'm using that knowledge to, so what is, what actually it, it told me that I'm using, oh, he said this, okay, ah, is that, oh, I got it, okay. So I'm not even looking about how the data comes together, what it explains, what, what are the hidden things that those things talks about that I don't see. That's what he's much more concerned about. But me, I'm just, I don't care about the hidden things. All I care about is, you told me that this cup should be like this. It is like this. Good. Sir, report. <laughs> I was much more concerned about me, just not just giving him, to, to him. I'm getting the result, but I don't know what I'm doing. He said, what I'm doing is accurate, but to him, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I kept seeing him trying to get me to the point where I'm not just looking at data. I can interpret it. If they wake me up at night, I should be able to explain. Such that when I see something that is different, I should be able to tell this is abnormal. But if I'm not yet at the point where I carry the right, there's no way I can tell. If something is abnormal, Okay, maybe you don't be like that. Now, you can't tell because you don't have the knowledge of what I'm working with. So I'm seeing the teacher doing the same thing, right? Now, once I get to that point, I will become, natu- I will naturally become a creator. Because I can discern, check, okay, make adjustments. Okay, ah, there's something. How can we correct this? Then look for the issue and then correct it. You know what I mean? I think I spent time explaining this teacher thing. But... The 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 whole moral of the story here is that is a a creator has knowledge of what is created, right? So it's not just an idea, like I was cooking a goosey, right? Till today, if I want to cook a goosey, I still have to watch that YouTube video or or watch my wife cook the goosey soup. That's to tell you something. Even though I cook a goosey, even my wife, when I cooked it, said, wow, awesome, tastes good. <laughs> but ask me to cook it again today. I need help. I need serious help. If that help does not come, I'm pretty sure that a goosey will not taste the same way it tasted last time. Because <laughs> I will forget. Right now, I've forgotten the process. But I have, I have like faint memory of it. Okay, no, do this, boil it small. Do that okay, fry it okay, boy, okay, pour this. But the lady that taught me on YouTube had steps 
when to add, how, different places, at what point should you ahead. All those information are very, very important. Amen. And the, the woman can do that because they know what they are doing. Right? So the same way, ah, wow, just explaining one concept I've taught so much. And what I'm saying is that God knows how to remove things from a soul because he's the creator. He created the soul. He has the knowledge, the working information, the manual of the soul. So he has all the manual because he created the soul. So he knows how to undo things that has been added to the fabric of the soul. Because he created the process of adding things to the soul. Right? So he created that process. And because he created the process of addition to the soul, he also knows how to remove and re-add. Because he's the one that designed it. He created that process. Right? So of course he knows how to. So God, knowing that, would have to also follow his own principles on, on, on changing a soul, recreating a soul. And that is why he can't just yank a soul out of a light because you know that that light is woven to the nature of the soul. So if he will take, it, take out that light that is operating within the soul, then he needs to disconnect the soul from that light. But you can't just disconnect a soul from a light without the provision of another light. Does that make sense? So God had to make provision of another light which a soul can use to unwoven the old one and rewrite a new one. And how God does that is God makes a soul see the effect of the old light. And a need to change the light. Together with that, he then commands the light to shine. So the reason for commanding the light to shine, okay, you light, shine. You notice the statement here is, God, who had commanded light, the light to shine. So that tells us something that God needed to command the light to shine. Amen. And what that, what that shows is that that light is not in thing. Okay. There's a concept I'm trying to explain. And that concept is just the light of Christ and the light of God, how they are interwoven. Right now, the light of Christ is the light of God, but it is also not the actual light of God. Does that make sense? It is the light of God given as a provision to men for man to come into his light, but a light that God will use. To bring men into his light must also be of his kind of light. If not, it will produce a different result. So, God gave his light and that by, by giving Christ. Right? Now, I get the best... Uh-huh. I guess maybe I can use this one to explain it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. 
soul. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, at in these last days, spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So who? Being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself put our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. Now see here, so funny. That the songs that talk about that several Corinthians also talks about this evening. Yeah. This, this is a light from the chambers of the majesty of mine. Amen. Yeah. He's talking about the light. You know, notice that I hear that I said that he's speaking to us by his son, who is Christ. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. And Okay. I feel like saying it, but I, I, maybe I'll, I'll calm down because maybe I shouldn't. Because I don't know if I have the grace to explain this yet. In the sense that when you talk about the, the Son of God, right? I've spoken to us by His Son. That Son is talking about the Son of the Living God, right? And of course, that Son of the Living God. Is a full Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. That has come to maturity. That now carries the everlasting light. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that is the Son. Now that Son is also an image. Now, one thing about that is that the everlasting light is a created light. Sorry, let me rephrase. Amen. Amen. The, the, let me use Christ because it's easier to use Christ. Christ is a created light, everlasting life is uncreated. Sorry, what am I saying everlasting? Eternal life is an uncreated life. Therefore, the eternal light is an uncreated light. Out of that are things created. Does that make sense? Now, if it is created, it means it came out of the original. But it is not the original. Does that make sense? Now, I now see here that the Son, whom being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, means that Christ is the one that is beaming his light. He's the one that is showing, his process express, right? The express image of his person, meaning that the person of God, 
being expressed. We don't we don't see it expressed in his in his natural form, right? In his raw form. Now the way we see it is Christ coming to begin to express it so that a man can see of a kind of light and light. Amen. So Christ is he who came to express the light of God. Is the image of God. The express image of his person. Meaning that it's not the original thing. But it is the image of it. Meaning that it is after just like a man and a shadow. Right? The shadow of a man is the image of the man. I mean, I mean, not the one who understand shadow. You get what I mean? Because I need, I need to always, I don't know what I have to. And so, before we would ask, ah, what do you mean? Okay. Right? So, the, the, someone's shadow is not fully, a shadow is the image of the person. Because the shadow is, is, is because of the person that that shadow exists. You get what I mean? Now, now realize that what God gave Israel was a shadow of good things to come. Right? So, God knows how to give shadows. But himself, there's no shadow in him. Neither variableness of turning. Right? So, they're not saying that him having the ability to give shadow means that he can't. All that God gives is to point man to him. Amen. So I think I've explained that area of I don't, maybe it's maybe it's not clear, but if it's clear, we can discuss later. But that aspect of Christ being the light. So if now this aspect of God commanding light to shine means that God needs to command the light to shine. Mean God needs to give a command. Because God who art, although he art commanded the light to shine. But God needed to command the light to shine. But you notice that that is not the manner of God's light. Does that make sense? God does not need to command his own light to shine. God's light by nature shines. Does that make sense? Now, why am I saying so? The reason is because if you look at the way God has always protected his light, right? The nature of it shows that God can't stop his own light from shining. He can't. He just is he, he himself. He's light. And you know that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. John, first John, right? Chapter one. Now and you can also see in the way God told Moses to build the ark. He says upon the ark is the mercy seat. And who sits on mercy seat is God. Now, for the mercy seat is upon the ark. Now, make two cherubims. Because cherubs are covering by nature. And now says make two cherubims. Let them face one another upon the mercy seat. With their wings stretched forth one to another. Now, when you look at the image of that, the way it came about is that you see two beings covering something. Now, in that told Moses that it is from amongst the message which we, he will what commune with him. 
Meaning that it is from the mercy seat from that place that God will begin to shine at and talk. Now, if God will commune with him from there, there's also a light that is the glory of the most holy, where the heart sits. And God is that light. What lights the most holy place is God. So it means that the moment God begins to come forth, there is a need for covering. Because if that light will just shine like this, and touch a soul, that's it. That's all, man. Remember what I mentioned? Was it, was it on Saturday? See, 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 see God's light is both burning and shine. If a light should shine upon a soul like this, again, again, the first thing the light will be doing is there's an aspect of that light that will begin to burn. Okay, wait. Is there anything? It's for safety. Making sure that God's life is not compromised by anything at all. Now, that's why it is impossible for God to lie. Does that make sense? Or for God to sin. God can't. It's impossible. Why? Because by his existence, naturally, anything that approaches him that is not pure goes away. And he himself can't stop it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Not by the, by the nature of his life. If anything, if God should just ordinary mountain that he landed on became black. Why? Because his fire literally burned that mountain. But I mean, God is still merciful. I wonder why that mountain is not turned into lava. You know, just pure lava. Just got burnt and dark. I guess it's by the mercy, you know, the same way the burning bush was burnt. But God, God, God allowed that, God allowed that light, that fire to actually touch the mountain. Or like the burning bush. Not the burning bush was burning, but it did not touch the plant. Eh? It was burning. But God, 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 when God landed upon that mountain, God said, that mountain must fill me. And the mountain filled. Ah, after, I saw, well, is a, I don't know how to treat Tisha, but I saw a documentary about men that found Mount Sinai. They begin to explain the top of it is black. It's still black. And they're explaining that, that the tip where God landed is still dark and black to prove that it actually did happen that time when God, when God landed upon the mountain. So for those that are looking for the existence of God, I want to, maybe they can have uh, some luck going there to study the, the blackness upon the mountain. Amen. <laughs> so, I guess I've explained that aspect of you know, God's light and the light of Christ. Now, the light of Christ is the light God commands to shine. And by the reason of the shining of that light, he can begin to bring men to himself. Amen. Because God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. Amen. So God needed to use a means, and Christ is the means to reconcile men back to himself. Amen. So God would use Christ, get Christ to get men to come to him. Then when men have fully inherited Christ, then they can begin to deal with God and begin to receive the true light. Amen. Amen. Now, Christ's light is light, but it is not the true light. Does that make sense? The true light is the light of God which is, is the true 
meaning the original. So there's light, there's true light. There's light, true light. So Christ is, a, is the light of God, yeah? but there's also the light of God, which is true. Amen. Amen. And God's own light is the original. I guess that's the way to, to explain it. So it's the original light that needs to shine upon his soul. Amen. Amen. Now, where Christ sits, amen, amen. is in the sanctuary. Is a master of that of the sanctuary. Christ is a master, even though he's higher than the sanctuary. Amen. Because Christ is the everlasting Father, it means Christ has a portion in the most holy. But he has the mastery of the holy place. Now, the way I'm seeing it is, you have a place that is not holy. You have holy, then you have most holy. The way is that God is making men holy gradually from not being holy at all to some form of holiness. And then eventually, the most holiness is so can possess. And God does his things gradually. And this thing makes sense perfectly. When God wants to do things, God starts small. God doesn't start with the, the big, 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 big. God doesn't start with the most holy light. It's so funny that the way God is dealing with a soul, God even uses the the light that a soul is using that is bad. That one we call dark. God still uses it. That's so funny. I don't even understand. Amen. Amen. Now the light. Do we have? Ah! Praise the Lord. So when I'm saying Christ is the light of the most holy place, there's also a light outside that place called the sun and the moon. Right? That is the light Gentiles use. Amen. Amen. Now, let's read the Revelations. I guess today is more of just explaining. Let's go to Revelations chapter um, 22. Amen. That's the last chapter of Revelations. I read from verse 1 to 5 or so. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the land. So in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded a fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. Amen. Amen. See, this chapter 4 actually talks about, there's a reference of this chapter 4 to Numbers, is it 30? Um, now, when God was telling Moses how to bless Israel, there are some things that must happen to them. And at the end, he must put his name upon Israel. So now put my name upon their head, right? Now, but I'm not talking about that because that's not what we're talking about. Although it's, it's related to what we're talking about, perhaps we might actually get there. But I think today I'm kind of explaining the light here. It says, and there shall be no night there, right? Verse 5. And they need no can do. 
Neither light of the sun. Do you know what that means? Okay, why, why candle? That's the question. There shall be no candle. Now, the reason why there shall be no candle is because the candle is a sign of the light in the holy place. Now, we are talking, and the light in the holy place is the seven golden candlesticks. Does that make sense? Now, this is talking about the very end of the journey in God's heart. What would eventually be? What, what does God want? Now says that there shall be no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. So he's saying that there shall be no sun. When I'm talking about the sun, they're still talking about the sun and the moon. There shall be no candlelight. Now, the candlelight is the light in the holy place. Ultimately, the light that would be in the, in the world to come is the light of God. Because by that time, the, the provision for those lights would have found the end of its use. Eventually, God wants to be the light of all men. But we can't take his light. Right? So he needs to make provision for us to come to his light. Even though, now, I don't see a problem with the sun, but there's a problem with the sun. Right? In the sense that God created the sun and the moon. Right? But God did not tie men's life to it. Does that make sense? Meaning that God did not design the way we live. By the moment the sun rises, start looking for food. Go up, ah, look for what, look for what you're going to eat everywhere and there. When it's time, when the night has come, go and sleep, rest. Right? Now, I mean, perhaps God designed the body to respond to it, maybe to rest, but the purpose of it is not to, to determine how men live. To some degree, the sun and the moon determines how we live. It has an, a direct influence on it is Satan that tied our life to that light. But the problem with that is that light has an ability to scourge, to smite. Amen. And Satan is using that to his advantage to deal with men. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you see here, according to this verse, 20, chapter 22, verse 5, it says, and there shall be no night there. And then, because the reason why there will be no night there is because there won't be need for the moon. Does that make sense? Yeah. There won't be any need for the moon because the moon is the, is the light for the night. Plus, when the light of God is shining day and night, where would there be night? There won't be night because God is already shining. And as long as there's light shining, there can't be any night. Even the moon itself does not, the moon does not shine light by itself. Does that make sense? Because the light of the moon really is the light of the sun. So the moonlight is actually still the sun shining. It is not a different light. It's the same light as the sun. So technically the sun and the moon are the same. Or the light that comes from the sun and the moon is the same. Because the moon is just a reflector 
the, the moon reflects the light coming from the sun. That's how, that's how we see moon. Oh, moonlight. Moon itself does not have any light. Does not, does not, there's a word they use. Inherent. And it's not, it doesn't have an inherent light. Inward. Does not generate. Just. You just, you just borrow sun. Sun is shining. Everybody see. Then, the the body, the moon body, has the ability to reflect the sunlight. And then you look at it, it looks as if it's the world shining. It's not. So, sun and the moon are the same. But Satan has tied them. And how, how Satan tied us to the sun and the moon is by making sure we don't see clearly. It's by, by, by the giving of evil eyes the soul. And that's part of how he tied our gaze and our life to the sun and the moon. Amen. I said, and they, they need no candle. That is the provision God gave to untie man's gaze from the sun and the moon to begin to focus on his own light. Amen. So the, the candle is like a bridging, almost like a healing light. To heal men. Does that make sense? And you know, earlier, they talk about the tree of life, and they're talking about the leaves is for the healing of the nation. Right? And of course, when you talk about leaves, the leaf of a tree, right? The leaf of a tree, I forgot. What I'm trying to explain, science students will be able to help me out. I forgot the name that that thing is called. The leaf actually uses light. What you see in a leaf that makes it green is actually because it's trapping life from the light. Does that make sense? What's that thing called? Phosphorylation. Uh, cross. Phosphorylation. Phosphorylation. Uh-huh. Science will know. Sorry. It's photosynthesis. Uh-huh. It's photosynthesis. Photo. Photo. Uh-huh. I remember now. So there's which one is cosmetization? I don't even know. So there, there's photo there's Amen. <laughs> so there's photosynthesis. So meaning that the way the way leaves eat, is they actually they, they have to look they have to photo is light, I mean. <laughs> so synthesis, science, you know, so what is synthesize? Build eh? Well, can we Google it if you don't know? It? Is, is, but you are, I think it's right. It makes sense to make to make together. I have to I have to end quickly, but I'm not I'm not. Hey! Wow, I'm still I'm still on line. Combine to, to combine to a current hole. So photo combine, photo light. So make in a way light makes the leaf whole. Or Part of how the, the, the part of how a tree is eating eh, is both from the soil, right, nutrient, yeah. and it also needs the light through the leaves. Yeah. It's, and then it's eating, and then it makes the tree whole or the leaf whole. Amen. Meaning that light plays a whole lot of role in healing. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. For healing to take place in the soul, the light of God must shine. Amen. So the candlelight is the light 
that God gives as partly for healing on his soul. Because they have to change the gaze, right? They kind of like has to do with the gaze. Because really, those lights are actually eyesight. The way a man sees. So when God is arranging things that we see, it's arranging natural things. But those things actually talks about spiritual things, really. God is a master of... Ah, what's the word I mean? God is a master of... You know, the way you put spiritual things and explain it in place, right, and you know... Is, is, not the way, you know, not the way, it's not a magician, the way magician hide things in plain sight. Mm-hmm. No, their magic is a lie. Sure, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. Once you demystify their mystery, you know how they are doing the magic. Mm-hmm. Some magics, I was looking at how they do it. So somebody was demystifying. And so that's how they do it. So that, that person has the mystery. Has a secret. Amen. Now, God hid his life, his light in things. To me, I don't think he was actually with an intention to hide. Because me, I know that God actually hid himself from men. That that one, I know. And scripture says it. Right? Because it says that God who he hid his face from Jacob. And there's a reason for that. He had to. Because if he just shine like that, that's all. You're gone. So he needs to prepare a soul to approach his light. Right? Who only have immortality, dwelling in light, which no man can approach. No man can approach that light. But a spirit can. Does that make sense? Or a spiritual soul can approach his light. Or, not just a spiritual only, a divine soul. A divine soul is not ordinary, is not an ordinary man anymore. Does that make sense? Because we go from carnal mind to a spiritual man. From a spiritual mind to a divine mind or a divine soul. Right? Because it says that we might be partakers of his divine nature. Amen. Not carnally minded, but spiritually minded. And that spirit, their spiritual mind is a bridge between carnal and divine. Does that make sense? Now, that spiritual mind is the candlelight. Does that make sense? Now, what, to, to make a man spiritual, you need the candlelight. Amen. Amen. So those candlelight is a provision for to bring men to God. Praise God. Time has gone. So, let's go to back to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. So, for God, who commanded the light to shine? Now, I know for most of us here, you probably know what I'm talking about when I say holy place, most holy. But I don't know if any of us, I know some of us may not know the arrangement of the tabernacle. So, perhaps I'll have to, I feel like I needed to go there, but... I, I was hoping I could finish, but most of it. Ah! Sometimes, sometimes I, sp- I go, I go backwards. It's just the way I found the, I found inspiration, that as I'm speaking it. But I know I also have to explain the the tabernacle, the arrangement, so that it makes sense. Amen. So the, there's a need to really understand tabernacle. Ah! I don't understand that things will become a lot clearer because everything about the kingdom 
is there. The way, the way, what God really gave Moses is is a is a story. Not a, I won't call it a story. Is a is a design of the kingdom. What it became is a pattern of the kingdom, right? Because there is the true tabernacle, right? Because that one is not true. There's a true tabernacle which God pitched, not man. According to Hebrews, um, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 10. Or 9, actually. Ten, eh? Is that a ten or nine? Of it? Let me see. Is it eight? Oh, yeah, it's actually eight. Eight, yes. That eight, nine, ten, pretty much was just talking about that tabernacle area. Amen. Let me read verse verse 1. It's verse 1. So now the things which we have spoken, this is the son. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord preached and not man. Amen. Amen. So which the Lord preached and not man. You don't notice that it says the true tabernacle. Now, what the scripture is talking, referencing true, they are really talking about God. Because he is the, he's the only true God. He's true. But things can come from the true God. Amen. Because that true means the, the, the original, the right one. Time has gone. I don't want to spend much time. Like, later in the next minute, I'm but I think I'm actually done. Because of time, in a way. But. This Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, in a way, can give us a sense of the, of the tabernacle. But I guess maybe the next time we, we meet, maybe I'll begin to talk about the tabernacle a bit. But I thought I would, uh, sometimes these things, I thought I would actually be fast. I'll talk about these things pretty fast and, and that's it. But eventually, I had to take time to explain Amen. And it's actually when I'm getting to the sweet part that we have to round up. I don't know why it's always like this, but God will help us one day. I don't know. It's always it's always like this, that like it's towards the end. Maybe it's God on my heart of any hester that I used to do it like that to see how much we wait. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll just check out like, and then the blessing is there at the end, just waiting. Amen. Now, what I'm really talking about is that the light that God is commanding to shine out of darkness, that darkness is the sanctuary. Right? That light shining, let me read it. I close my Bible. Can somebody help me read it? And you know I close it so that I don't actually go back there. But I guess this is just the aspect that 
we'll read it, explain it. And I, funny enough, right from the beginning, I think I, it has been explained, but just, I, I just have to paint the picture, yeah. right? So God had to command the light to shine out of darkness, right? Mm. As command light to shine out of darkness, right? For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness? As what? As shined in our hearts. For what purpose? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That tells us, in the face of Jesus, that tells us. That what, what I'm seeing here is that that scripture is simply just explaining Hebrews 1. Who being the, ex, the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person. Why? Because... He has commanded the light to shine. God, there's some, there's a command given to the light. The purpose of it shining. The light has an intent. To give something. So there's a light shining. Right? But it has an intent. It's to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Which means what that light eventually should achieve is to bring a soul into the light of the glory. Does that make sense? The light of the glory of God. Now that area of glory, even though the holy place, the outer court, all have their glory in their respect, but where glory really resides is in the most holy. Right? I mean, the angel that goes before them by day and the fire that goes by night is a kind of glory, really, if you check it. Right? But in its own respect, but that one is not God's glory. That makes sense, right? Something glory just means, when I say something has glory, it means has, has an extra. The extra. Well, has a crown. As a crowning effort. That may, I don't know how that makes sense, but what I'm trying to say is when you talk about glory, right? He's talking about it, the end of the matter, really. Yeah. Right? Now, the glory of going to school, right, is coming out as a, for example, as an engineer. I want to I study engineering. I'm an engineer now. It's a glory to a soul. Right? All of our occupation. But the glory doesn't come when we are still in school. Right? Why not begin to talk about glory is what everything of this has now given. Right? Now it has given it has to give something. Then what is give to a soul? A sense of accomplishment. Ah! Yeah. I finish now. There's a glory that rests. So glory really comes in the toward, when you talk about glory, it's towards the end of the matter. Right? So let's say we finish school now, that one has his glory. If we do something else, by the end of it, that's the glory. Oh, I graduated some of our glory. It's when we carry our certificate and issue. So that's our glory sometimes. Yeah, I've just finished the course. Oh, ah, yes, this one. Another of our glory is when you are writing your name on LinkedIn. You know, there's a way they put CSC, CCPC, APCPC, PDP, eh? <laughs> PPCP. Now, I'm not saying it is bad, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you should not put. I'm not saying you should not put those names. That's what the word. The word. That's, what they, that's language they understand, right? I'm just trying to say that in its raw essence, what it lo- really, 
that thing is a glory. And the soul can wear it and forget the glory of God. That's just, that just the problem there. And you notice that instead of a soul aiming for a higher glory, what it begins to look at are glories that fade. Glories that fade. There's a, so those kind of glories, they have a nature. Their nature is flower glory. That's what the scripture calls it. Here today, gone tomorrow. So those ones don't, don't have the last self. I don't even know. I, don't, I can't even use last for them. Although that's what they want. See, they don't last. But they don't, even, they don't even have everlasting nature. Come to think of lasting. You get what I mean? So it's called the, I see, all the glory of man. Because those things they call it the glory of man. It's like the flower. Glory of man. It's like flower. And when you look at the nature of flower, very simple. In the summer, ah, see, even when ordinary, ordinary, let winter just come, winter say, four, let's four shine, ordinary four, winter never show. The flower will disappear quick, quick. But in the summer, even in the summer, it will come, shine today, you are falling tomorrow. The other one will come, shine, four. Then, then fall come, ah, I say four. Then fall show. All the thing just with that. Even ordinary the, uh, trees that don't have flower, their leaf will with that. They, are, they become naked. Why not? You don't notice, notice why uh, so, uh, winter is always uh, what's that word? Depressing. Boring and depressing. Because everything that has, you know, color is life. Everything that has color, God. The tree is bare, naked, nothing. The tree, the tree itself is not cloth. It's looking for cloth. Eh? The tree don't get cloth even in winter. Flower, nothing. Now, a soul can wear such glory. What eventually that means is that that kind of soul will eventually be wretched and naked. Because that, those kind of soul won't have riches. And it will have no life. Amen. So what the light ought to give, really, is a glory. So which eventually, after the light heals, it will begin to talk about the glory. Begin to bring the soul into another light. Which is the light of God. Which talks about the glory of God. But where those, where all the operation of these things are kept is in the face of Jesus. Amen. So when God is shining his light upon his soul to enter the kingdom, really is shining through Christ. Christ now begins to shine his face. The face of Christ is also the face of God. Now, one thing I note, I will say this and that's it, that's the end, is one thing I noticed from some of my friends when we were talking and they began to see visions of God. How There's always one thing. Or Jesus, not even of God. There's always one thing that is always common. They always see hand. They always see leg. They will see nails, but they won't see face. Oh, they be like, mm, I just saw him walking. I didn't see his face. But I saw his hand. I just saw his feet walk into the room. Okay, oh wow, awesome. You saw it. Then another time, it's the same thing. The same thing. That tells us something. See that face is a different expression entirely. Not every soul can see it. For a soul to see that face, it needs to move into things pertaining to the kingdom. When a soul is not yet panting, to, and laboring to enter the kingdom, that face is not their portion. Amen. 
But the face is shining. You have to shine to bring a soul to look at the face of Jesus. To look at the face. Just keep looking. Amen. So that a soul, because when we really start, it's not looking at God's face. It's now in hand with the look every day. Every night. Now hand to be try shock you. Maybe it's not a shock. But do you know that the the, the things only go strain us with? When we start, when we get born again, before we try learning, it's not really God's face. It's God's things that hand can do. See healing, gift of the spirit. All of them are hand and things. They are not really face material. Gift of healing. Um, all the nine gifts of the spirit. Let me not hook. <laughs> all the nine gifts of the spirit that we see that you know, most of the things that we talk about only goes. Those are the things that shock us. Those things are not really really face material. They actually hand and material, but they, they are to. It's almost like hand that ought to lift us up to to look at His face. Yeah, look up, look at His face. They are all operations in the spirit. You know, when you see a prophet says, "I was born," then I looked. All those things. God likes to depict things like movie. Just just show us movie throughout throughout scripture, different things. Amen. Amen. Because see that face thing, that fa- the face of God is scary. But not scary for you to look long after. But it's it's a dealing that is terrible. But also sweet at the same time. Or that is that is really when you when you talk about joy, eh? When you talk about joy, joy of the spirit, joy of God. See that is actually joy is a face material. It's not hand. Amen. So I'm seeing a connection of have a hand can give you. Point up to look at his face. Sometimes, when hand do something, you you have a sense of joy. It's actually telling you look at his face. God did this. It's just telling you look at his face. See that face? Uh That's the main thing. No hand. Amen. Because you notice the kingdom is what righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we blessed this morning? Yes, Let's just begin. Oh, this afternoon. Let's just begin to thank God. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your light that is shining upon us. That is beaming and helping us and calling us. To come to you. To come to you. In Bradona Mustafene Moshita. In Zete Vene Moshita Kali to Zete Vene Mota. Presito Zene Maushti Kenima Sete Brante Keniata. Eze Prata. Eze Prata. Can we just pray quickly that heaven would give us grace to begin to come into the provision of the light of Christ in all ramifications, wherever we are missing that provision. That heaven will hint us, will shift our gaze, our attention into that area for light to shine, for us to yield, to come under operation of his blessings. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for today, for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you because you, you are having mercy greatly upon us. We pray, O oh Lord, that you continue to help our heart to yield to you in all light 
that you are shining in the name of Jesus. Father, we see in your word that you have to command your light to shine. You already command this light. We pray, oh Lord, that everything that you need to do for us to yield to this light, for us to get you to command your light to shine again upon us, we ask, Lord, that you would make us, you make provision for us to be ready for your light. You would help us to respond to you such that this light will begin to shine upon our heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever this light is not yet shining, perhaps it is shining to some area but lacking in others, we ask Lord that by your mercy you will cause your light to shine in every aspect of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you Father because you've answered our prayers. We give you all the praise for in Jesus mighty name we are you dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.